I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. Andy, thanks for joining us, man. And honestly, yeah. it's great to have a guest again. <laughs> You're scraping the bottom of the barrel, my friend. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it that way at all. I don't see it that way at all. Um, but we are getting to the end of our year here. It's kind of crazy how fast this is going. We're down to the last chapters of ether and um you can kind of hear it in moroni's tone a couple times in here when he's inserting his voice into the story where he's kind of like hey you know this is a culmination just pay attention to this stuff this is what can happen be forewarned you know and as we look back on the book of mormon there's a couple times when he even summarizes that because of faith so-and-so could do this because of faith so-and-so could do that and he kind of gives us a recap and it's interesting how he's living a lot of what he's also writing that the Jaredites went through. And so it's a, it's an interesting section in chapter 12 in verse four, there's a, a couple parts in, in there that I really liked. It says, wherefore whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world. Yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. And in there, there's a couple of things. One, if you have faith, if you believe in God, you, you can hope for a better world. And I don't think that just means after this life. I think it also means during this life, if you're focusing on the Lord and having faith in him, you can expect to have a better experience here. And then, you know, uh, that faith maketh an anchor to the souls of men. We think of an anchor as something that kind of keeps you in place or maybe even kind of prevents you from moving. But I think it also is, is just like a firm foundation. Even though everything else might be close around you, your faith can keep you stalwart. It can keep you, you know, founded in something solid. So I thought that was kind of a good intro to these chapters. I was thinking of that old movie, Pollyanna. Yeah. You know, she's like so optimistic and positive. And she just had a hope. She just saw the, the positivity and everything. She'd go to these people who were mad and grumpy and she'd kind of change their attitude on life. And it's kind of how we need to be sometimes. Not that like we're just faking it till we make it, but just having that eternal perspective is what we need. And that's kind of what, what Moroni has here. Because I mean, at this time, he's seen his, his whole civilization killed 
and he's the last one. He's running through the wilderness as he's taking a break here and there. He's writing these things down and whatnot. But he knows that at some point he's going to die. And so he's just trying to just tell us to hope for a better world because he came from a bad one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There, There's something that in 12 that really stuck out to me. And it, you know, verse 5, when it says, Ether did prophesy great and marvelous things unto the people. And we know that Ether is kind of like their last prophet. He's kind of their Moroni, you know, of, of their time. And it's very simple. It just says, in, in the, and they were marvelous and great things, which they did not believe because they saw them not. not. Mm. And I think Moroni highlights that again in verse 6 because he says, and now I, Moroni, would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show you unto the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. There, wherefore, dispute not because ye see not, for we receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. And so he's, I think he's kind of liking their, his own experience and speaking to us through the experience of Ether. He, he prophesies many great things to the people, but they're not willing to believe. And that belief, you know, and I, I wonder, you know, they're, they're probably concerned about their wars. They're probably concerned about their government. They're probably concerned about many things that in their society are not going right. You know, we, we just got a bunch of chapters of them fighting and overthrowing and plotting and, you know, doing all of these things to, to try to gain the upper hand. And then I think about our time and I think about President Nelson and his current um, messages lately have been very optimistic to us. You know, there's great things ahead. Uh, we need to just be patient. We, we're very blessed. And especially this last week, consider gratitude and, and flood the world with gratitude and positivity and almost like flood it with this hope for a better world. Flood it with this faith in your belief. And then Moroni then goes to break down by faith or this belief, believing in good things that you don't see but if you work at it, you can get these miracles. He goes in, in verse 7, is by faith that Christ showed himself um, unto our fathers after he had risen for the dead. Verse 8, it is by faith of men uh, that he showed himself unto the world, glorified the name of the Father, prepared the way thereby others might be partakers. And then verse 10, it is by faith that they of old were called after the holy order of God. And then it just, I mean, we can keep going and going and going and and it comes back to that beginning phrase for me. It's which they did not believe because they saw them not. And uh, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. And I think, at least within myself, what am I not seeing that's causing me to to be disbelief? You know, what what are my disbeliefs? Because I consider myself a believing person, but am I reflecting this kind of faith in a situation where it kind of it shows you almost the opposite. Like you should be concerned <laughs> about these grievous things around you. You shouldn't have hope. You should be doubting or if, unless you see it, it cannot be true. You know, that kind of thing. And um, I don't know. Well, there's, there's a couple of things like Andy, like you were saying, we, we shouldn't be like in a, I'll just fake it till I make it. And I, I agree with that. I think that the, the, Thing, the key is to look at every situation in the long run, in the big picture. If something bad happens or if something is affecting you negatively, 
don't look at it in the moment. Look at it in what is this going to be like in the long run? And I think that that's where that faith comes in. And you're saying, first of all, there's going to be a long run, right? There's going to be time to to overcome anything that, that might be affecting me. But also, um, with time, I'll be able to figure things out. I'll be able to get the help of the Lord. And so that the fake it till you make it is kind of true. And at the same time, you look at it and you say, I don't have to fake it when I'm just going to have faith, right? I'm not really faking it when I'm when that's exercising faith. Um, well, maybe I, maybe it needs we need to change the term "fake it" because it kind of implies deception, not being wholeheartedly <laughs> believing. Where right. sometimes your faith is just, ah, I'm going to go to church. I don't, really don't want to, but I hope I feel better when I'm done. And and that's not faking it. You're being honest. You know, you're you're throwing your widow's mite into the into the well. You know. But but I get the sentiment. But I I think sometimes the term "fake it till you make it" kind of it kind of feels un I don't know fake. It, it, <laughs> it needs to be said as you need to faith it till you make it. Yeah. 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 We need to get some t-shirts. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> But it's uh, it's funny. I'm um, going back to that God with surety hope. Whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world. It's interesting with um, what you said about President Nelson's message, because I quickly found obviously tons of friends and people are posting what they're grateful for, and I soon did not see negativity on social media. People who post negative things, people who post political things. They're either not posting those things or the things that they're posting that are negative and political are being drowned out by all the positivity. And it opened my eyes to being like, if this is happening on social media, how can I do this in my own life? How can I, you know, let the light in and drown out the darkness that I have in my life with positivity and light and not just walking around thinking everything is rainbows and flowers and unicorns, but realizing the good things around me and soon the the shadows of darkness that I have in my own life will be will no longer be there. Yeah, I think I saw somebody say something like all these politicians keep talking about unity but depending on who you hear it from you disagree. But a prophet comes out and says, "Hey, let's just say things we're grateful for." And immediately all that stuff goes away and it's like everyone's just posting stuff they're grateful for, you know, and all that vitriol and anger and frustration, is, like you said, it gets drowned out. I think it starts with little things. You, you come across somebody on a Monday and they say, you know, how you doing? And, and the other person's like, uh, Mondays, you know, it's like, I, I know that's such a simple thing and it's not a huge deal, but it's like, why start out negative? Why start out talking like, oh, I, I can't believe it's all only 10 o'clock and I already need a nap. You know, it's like, no, come on. Like, have have a little bit more positivity about <laughs> the way things are going. And it's just little stuff like that that gets your mindset. Because then you have to, you don't want to be like, oh, come on, stop that. So you're like, oh, yeah, Mondays, I know what you mean. Because, you know, it's small talk or whatever. But it kind of already gets you in this mindset that something's not right. No, you know what? It's a, it's a new week, fresh start. Let's do this thing. You know, that should be more the attitude. I saw a quote somewhere in the last few days that was, uh, it said something along the lines of, uh, build the kind of life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Mm. And it really like made me think of, 
I'm really enjoying my social network feeds. And I think, why can't I have them be like this always? Because you, you kind of get to curate and there's algorithms and all that stuff, but whatever engages you, it'll continue to give you that same thing you, you, that engages you. That's how, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all those things work. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly seeing negative things, then you must be clicking on negative things, you know? And so it's almost a little bit of a law of attraction there where if you're out to look, to be outraged or to find reason, what's the opposite of hope? Like despair, kind of? Yeah, yeah. Then it, where, where I think the scriptures here are saying you're hoping for a better world, not because you're naive and you want to pretend evils don't exist. There is a reason to hope. And everybody, there there is always improvement and there's always a desire for things to just be a little cleaner, be a little more, more sharper, you know. That's what Nephi said, you know, when he saw the vision, he saw the river of filthiness, but he said, we didn't heed unto it. We didn't pay attention to it. We were paying attention to the tree of life. That was our, and so, you know, when you're a teenager and your parents always say like, you are who you hang out with. And <laughs> it's, it kind of goes the same way with what you were saying with, you are what you look at, you know? Yeah. And really where you put your attention. What kind of things do you want to focus on? Because all that stuff's still going to be there, the positive and the negative. It's what you choose to, to attach yourself to, what you choose to make part of your identity. What am I going to focus on? This positive stuff, or am I going to only focus on negative stuff? And I think that this kind of segues to the next part um, about weaknesses. We're not always strong enough to be positive all the time or to never look at things that are negative or destructive. And we, we do have weaknesses. And I find it interesting that Moroni, a prophet of all people, starts talking about his own weaknesses. He, he tells the Lord, uh, the Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing. For Lord, thou hast made us mighty in, in word by faith, but thou hast not made us mighty in writing. For thou hast made all this people that they could speak much because of the Holy Ghost, which thou hast given them. That was verse 23. And, you know, he kind of goes talking a little bit about his weakness and it'll be mocked and whatever that, and we do see that. We do see that people point out a lot of repetitiveness in the scriptures and stuff like that. But the Lord basically says, look, haters going to hate, you know, <laughs> people are going to mock you. And I, I don't care because I'm going to make your words strong. And I don't think anyone who's read the Book of Mormon with, you know, contrite spirit and pure intent has ever come back and said, man, that was a weak book. That writing, I mean, it, the message is good, but the writing, come on. <laughs> you don't really focus on that anymore because you're more focused on what they're actually saying. It goes to show that, like, we're our own worst critics, right? Yeah. If these verses weren't in here about Moroni saying, like, our, our writing is weak, nobody would ever say that. But he's noticing it, and so, and I notice that with myself, my own weaknesses I can point out. And my wife is like, that's, that, I, you're not weak in that, but I think I am. But I just, I love that line in verse 27, where Christ says, I give unto men weaknesses. I've read this scripture a lot in my life. And I always, you know, everybody focuses on, I make weak things to become strong. And that's so true. But yes, I mean, sometimes I pray and I'm like, why do I have this weakness? Like, please take this weakness away. But right. maybe, it's, maybe it's a gift. And I wouldn't want somebody to say, I don't like this gift you gave me. Please take it away. <laughs> But we have such well, a mindset of 
weakness equals bad. So you must get rid of it. And it's like, well, maybe in God's eyes, weakness equals good in some ways, you know, because the weaknesses I have do allow me to. It's also perspective, right? A weakness you may have, for example, I don't know, let's say public speaking. That's kind of a, a fear of most people, right? Is that a weakness compared to someone who maybe doesn't even, that's learning a language and doesn't even know how to speak in that language at all, you know? Or a toddler who's learning how to speak, you know? Like, I think we are all weak compared to the Lord. And so he views us as not necessarily weak, as you have an opportunity to progress and improve something. And the amount of effort that's going to take for you to improve said talent may be different than the amount of effort somebody else may may do. I've always been jealous of people that they can hear a song and then they can play it by ear. And I'm just like, what kind of a genius are you? You know, why do you get that? And, and then when you ask them, they always downplay it. Like it's not even difficult. It's not even hard, which makes me want to even want that talent even more. I'm like, "Uh, that'd be great. I want to do something great and have it be so easy. But we all have different aspects of our character where that we have to refine. Some of them are easier than others. And that's, that's the tricky part is, it's like this comparison that creeps in, especially in the world we live in, where where you the perception of someone's perfect life sometimes becomes a burden or yeah, this this unattainable uh, image that we can't live up to. And those yeah. those false those false images or false um, expectations are things that plague every person, every society, especially us that we're trying to follow uh, a path that is not necessarily the easy path, which is how do we master our, our, our natural instincts? How do, we, how do we shape our character? How do we control and oftentimes go against our human nature or our, our natural man, you know? Yeah, I think... A scripture that I tie into verse 27 is that scripture of God will never give you a temptation that that you're not able to bear, you know, a burden you're not able to bear, however, however that scripture goes. You'll never be tempted above that which you can bear. That's how it goes. That's true, but sometimes we we bring it upon ourselves and we add more to it. So and I think with our weaknesses. God gives us these weaknesses, whether it's a physical ailment or a spiritual thing or mental weakness, and and we're able to work with that. But sometimes we bring upon ourselves our own weaknesses too, and we add to it. And and I think there's a way out of that, of course, with the atonement. But I'm I'm just trying to think of like sin. Yeah. Sometimes you add yourself, you add weakness upon yourself, and and that's when it's hard. Or you you are confronted with a difficult situation. And instead of saying immediately turning to the Lord and saying, I need your help, you just you you compound it. You add something else to it to make it even worse, you know, kind of self-sabotage by by saying, well, now that this is happening, I'm I don't know if I can go to church anymore. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're making it worse. Don't make this worse. This is already going to be challenging enough for you. Don't make it worse. The other day. Well, it took me more than a day, but I painted our back deck. And I've been doing it in the evenings because by the time I'm done with work and whatever, I go out and do it in the evening. And there were a couple of times when the sun was pretty much down while I was still painting. 
and it was it looked great. And then the next morning, I'd go look at it and be like, "In the dark, <laughs> you know." It's like, uh, I need to fix this, you know, and <laughs> this needs another coat, I think. And um, it kind of is like when the closer that we get to the light, the closer we get to our Heavenly Father, the more we start to see flaws in ourselves. The more we get closer to perfection, the more we start to see the things about us that aren't perfect, that are our weaknesses. And that's okay because his mercy will allow us to overcome those weaknesses. They won't necessarily go away. And I think that that's part of the thing that people misunderstand is that weaknesses will become strong. Doesn't necessarily mean you won't have weaknesses anymore. You still will. You'll still be tempted by the same things. You know, you'll still have the same weaknesses, but he will fill the gap. He will help you overcome those weaknesses. And I think when, when we start to say, well, I thought that, you know, I'm supposed to be overcoming these weaknesses. I'm supposed to be not, no longer susceptible to these types of temptations. That's, a, that's not right. When you get closer to him, when you follow the commandments, when you do what you're supposed to do, you find that those weaknesses are easier to overcome, not necessarily erase. So another coat of paint doesn't necessarily erase the mistake, but it's not as visible anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, one thought I had on, on verse 26 is when um, he, he's, he's speaking about the weaknesses of, of the writing and the, 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 he fears that, um, that uh, in verse 25, that some may stumble because of the placing of our words. And I fear that the Gentiles will mock our words. So he, he knows that this book is going to go to the Gentiles. And there's many prophecies already and promises about how this story and these teachings and these this gospel will come forth in the latter days, you know. And I think he's aware of that. And in verse 26, he says, and, and the Lord spake unto me, saying, Fools mock, but they shall mourn. And my grace is sufficient for the meek, that they shall take no advantage, advantage of your weaknesses. And I really like that because I think the Lord is pleased with Morona. He's pleased with what he's done, even though he feels ah, there may be, if the wording might not be right. Uh, I fear our, that they're going to mock this. They're not going to take this seriously. And the Lord says, fools mock, but they shall mourn. And and at first, I, I, I don't know, that really sticks with me because I think, I think this, we live in an era where we, there's so much fault finding that we dismiss sometimes the greater message of what someone's trying to convey, you know? And we attack most of our communication with fault finding and, you know, heaven forbid you misspell a comment online and uh, there you have like all these <laughs> grammar police coming out or, or fact checkers or everything. And it's like, well, We'll just listen to the person. What are they trying to say? And and I think that's what sometimes happens in the scriptures when we realize we are reading them and there's this kind of oldie language, thou and thee and shall and hitherto and it came to pass and all of these things. And, and in our day, we're trying to say, what are you trying to say? What are they trying to get across to us? Well, he's trying to get across to us that don't criticize this work for whatever fault you find. Even if it's faults of the translation, the punctuation, the verbiage, try to really consider and listen with your heart and mind. What are these words 
what's the message you know for you and and i think that that makes a big difference because it's it's kind of like the opposite approach of bible bashing where you're trying to say well over there it said he had seven sheep i'll give you this scripture where it says there were only two sheep okay and and then you try to and you're kind of looking past the mark you're kind of fault finding you're kind of fitting into this fools shall mock but they shall mourn i think warning here i think when it comes to the you know i give unto men weakness we judge each other for our weaknesses of course naturally i don't want to but i i do it we and then we judge on well that person they used to be weak they used to be an alcoholic but look how they changed so with my weakness i should do the same thing he did and i can change and you know if that person went to a 12-step program so i guess that's the way to to become strong that person they did this they went to a counselor this person did this so i need to do all these things to because that's the golden rule to be able to have my weaknesses become strong but we need to remember that um, Christ, he didn't heal all the lepers the same. Christ took one leper and touched him. Christ took Naaman and told him to go wash in the river. Christ took the 10 lepers and from a distance, he, he yelled at him. He said, go to the priest and you'll be healed. And so they all had the same weakness, leprosy, but they were all healed differently. So we need to figure out with your own weakness, what way can you be healed? Whether it's, I don't know, going to a counselor, going to a 12-step program, going to, I don't know, there's tons of stuff, tons of different ways that Christ will heal you. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that a lot of that um, ties into the, the other part of this chapter because he starts talking about in verse uh, 33, says, and again, and again, I remember that thou hast said that thou hast loved the world, even unto the laying down of thy life for the world, and thou, that thou mightest take it again to prepare a place for the children of men. And now I know that this love which thou hast had for the children of men is charity. And it's interesting how he makes a shift from, we got to have faith, even though in things you can't see, to then talking about love and charity. And the reason why the Savior knows us so well and knows what will help us the best is because he loves us enough to find out, you know, to take the time to get to know us. And, and he, he has our best interest in mind. And it's interesting how it kind of shifts into this little, little talk about charity. I think that those things go hand in hand. I think faith and charity, you can't really have charity without faith. You can't, really love someone without understanding why. And I think the faith gives you the why. Why should you care about other people? Why should you love one another? Um, because you have faith in a God that does, and a God that created you all and wants what's best for you also. Well, in verse 35, he says, Wherefore I know by this thing which thou hast said, that if the Gentiles have not charity because of our weakness, that thou wilt prove them, and take away their talent, yea, even that which they have received, and give unto them who shall have more abundantly. So it's kind of like charity becomes almost like the acid test. Are you really prepared and ready to receive something? And if you're not, if you don't have this charity, uh, then it's not given to you. It's given, and even some may be taken and given to someone else. And it's really interesting because I think charity... It's kind of like um, 
what you mentioned before, where you, as you look at others, how the Lord has healed them. One, we have to be okay that they get healed in this manner and they get help in this manner and you may get help in a different manner. And then you also have to be okay with our, our own weaknesses and let people move on. He used, someone used to be like this, allow them to change. And even within ourselves, sometimes we can be very critical of ourselves and not say, you know what, I'm not that person. You know, we, we live in a world right now where everything you do is basically recorded forever, especially <laughs> online, right? And you have, heaven forbid you, you run for office or you do anything and you forgot to pay a parking ticket 37 years ago, you know? <laughs> But we want to know that because that will tell us right now whether you're honorable. And it's like, if we're all like this, we're all going to have some of that in our past that we have to be able to forgive one another. It's kind of in, in verse 37, though, is kind of what you're, what you're talking about. It says, if they have not charity, it mattereth not unto thee. Thou hast been faithful. Wherefore, thy garments shall be made clean. And because thou hast seen thy weakness... I shall be made strong, even unto sitting down in the place which I have prepared in the mansions of my father. He's basically saying, look, if other people don't have charity towards you, and you do have charity towards them, and you do have faith, then don't worry about it. I've got, you know, you don't have to rely on other people to be charitable towards you. As long as you're doing your part, I'll take care of you. And I think that that we get we get really hung up on fairness sometimes and we get really hung up on you know i i am owed this respect or that respect uh but when it comes down to it the only person who you really ought to be concerned about respecting you is heavenly father and making sure that you're doing the stuff you need to do if the world mocks you if the gentiles in this sense mock you it, it's really not that important as long as you know that you're doing what the lord is telling you to do it's interesting i love that line and i just I just read it when you talked about verse 37. It just says, it mattereth not unto thee. Yeah. I mean, Moroni is worried about other people's charity. You know, he's kind of sitting there, oh, they don't have enough charity to care about this. And God's like, why do you care? Like, don't <laughs> worry about what they think about you. And yeah. we do that. I do that all the time. Like, oh, this person should be, you know, especially during conference. It's like, oh, this talk is for so-and-so. I hope <laughs> so-and-so is listening to this talk. And it's like, you know what? Like, that talk doesn't doesn't matter like it doesn't matter if they're listening to or not what are you listening to yeah exactly. it doesn't matter if that person is doing what they're doing just worry about yourself and your relationship with me and let's move forward you know what's funny about that example i've noticed that when i have a conference talk that really strikes me like really gets to me and i'm like where has this been my whole life then i start noticing there's like 10 of those in previous years <laughs> and I'm like, I'm that idiot. I'm the one that people have been looking at saying he should really listen to this. But it took 10 times for me to finally get it, you know, and then that, I noticed it everywhere, you know, all of a sudden. It also goes to show, though, when we talk about why do we always have the same lessons, why do we always have the same topics in these talks? Well, because everyone is in a different spot and maybe you weren't ready to hear that the previous 10 times it was spoken about. But this one really hit home because you were spiritually prepared to hear it. And so, yeah, sometimes it might seem like, oh, we're talking about the law of the tithe again. You know, woohoo. It's not exciting. Nothing new. Well, you know what? It is what someone needs at that moment. It may not be you that time. That's okay. It mattereth not, right? 
if, if, if you don't need that exact message at that exact moment, there's definitely something else you should be looking for. Well, it goes to show that when the Lord asks us to be faithful or asks uh, an assignment of us, gives us a task, that task being successful has more to do on how we accomplish it than how it's received. The reception is kind of up to them, you know, and I think that's a good lesson for us because Moroni is kind of pouring his heart out over here. He's kind of saying, man, in verse 40, he says, and only a few things have I written because of my weakness in writing. And I would commend you to seek Jesus of whom the prophets and apostles, you get the sense that I can only write so much. Maybe it's the plates, it's difficulty, time's running out, or there's just so much to write. He's not ever going to, but go see Christ, you know, go seek what he, his message and, and you will understand this record is about what, what the message here. And um, I think sometimes we, well, that we need to be patient. We need to not get so hard on ourselves and realize, you know, there, there's so much that we can learn from this, but it's going to take one two, three, four, five, seven, ten cycles, you know. And even this time in the Book of Mormon, I cannot even, this year it feels like it's the first time I've read the Book of Mormon. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because I'm gaining so many things. I'm like, where has this been the whole time, you know? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting how at the end of this chapter 12, Moroni kind of has a little bit of a humble brag where he's like, I bid you farewell. I bid farewell unto the Gentiles, yea, and also unto my brethren whom I love, until we shall meet before the judgment seat of Christ, where all men shall know my garments are not spotted with your blood. And then ye shall know that I have seen Jesus, and that he hath talked with me face to face, and he hath told me in plain humility, even as a man telleth another in mine own language concerning these things. It's this moment where he's like, he's some, kind of summarized a lot about faith and charity and all of this throughout this last chapter. Uh, and then he kind of says at the end, I learned this directly from the Savior also. And I don't think he's doing it like to say, look how awesome I am. But what he is saying is, this is how serious this is. This is how important this is, that Jesus himself appeared to me and spoke to me about these things face to face. I think a lot of the weakness that he feels in, in writing is just the, the vast amount of information and knowledge that he has that he knows he doesn't have time or space or resources to write down. And so he's looking at this entire mass of, of knowledge and experiences that he and other people and other prophets have had. And he's like, I have to boil this down somehow into this one book of text. And it's not going to represent, he writes later, you know, this is not even the hundredth part of what was in the book of Ether. But I'm trying to boil this down. I'm trying to give you the gist of it and, and make it, and I don't know that I'm capable of doing this, but it's, rest assured, the Savior is aware, and he's, he taught me this, and we'll, we'll meet him again. I was going to say, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, for example, to have that desire, I wish I could tell you everything. I wish you would <laughs> be here, you know? Yeah. It's like when you're tracking, and you're knocking on door after door, and you see someone, and, and you see a nice family, and... And they're so caught up in their struggles that they don't have time to listen to this message. And you're kind of in, inside, you're saying, but if you knew what this message would do to change your perspective, you know, to help you see the plan of salvation, 
and to give you strength and tools to overcome these trials. And you can, and it's easy to like kind of feel a little bit down, you know, and, and, and be able, and, but then you have to remember, Hey, I've done my duty. And I think that's kind of what, what he's saying. I've done my part. I, I, I was obedient to the commandments. And it's also important to know that there's authority that he's been given authority to write these things and to call us out on it, you know, and give us this instruction. So the last remaining chapters are kind of uh, depressing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like the the same story of the Nephites and Lamanites, but escalated. Like it just seems like maybe in a four, five, six year period. I think he mentioned something about four years, but a very short period of time. They go from uh, being somewhat stable with a little bit of problems to really just deteriorating into nothing. And it all starts with verse 2 of chapter 13. For behold, they rejected all the words of Ether, for he truly told them of all things from the beginning of man, and that after the waters had receded from and that after the waters had receded from off the face of this land, it became a choice land above all other lands, a chosen land of the Lord, wherefore the Lord would have that all men should serve him who dwell upon the face thereof. And he, they they get him they totally reject him to the point where he can't even be there anymore. He runs away and hides in a in a cave, you know, in the cavity of a rock or whatever it says. And it all starts there, and just rejecting that and saying, you know what, we got other things to worry about. There's political strife going on. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. We don't have time for this. Or just outright, you're telling lies. Leave us alone. And I, I, I read that and it, it really struck me because you really see how fast things can fall apart when you aren't listening to the prophet, when you aren't adhering to the gospel anymore. This is on an individual level. This is on a societal level. You know, if we as a people stop adhering to the gospel, we're susceptible to these same types of things, tumultuous times. Um, we know that the, the last days are going to be like this wars and rumors of wars and all this contention and all that, we know that's going to happen. So in some ways, it's an inevitability. But what about us as individuals? How do we not fall into that? And I think it just comes from being careful about how we use our time, being careful about remembering to take time to be holy, take time to listen to the gospel, to read the words of the prophet, to know what it is he's telling us today, because it's pertinent. Once we start saying, I don't have time to read, I don't have time to look at this, or I, I don't like what he's saying, we open the door, you know, to this kind of type of spiritual and possibly even physical destruction. It, it really escalates pretty quickly in these chapters. Yeah. And what happens um, in 15 verse 19? Uh, what happens with what you're saying, Dan, is, you know, you soon you, Satan has full, eventually Satan can have full power over your heart. And you can give... You're going to be given up under the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of your minds that they might be destroyed. They did not think they were going to be destroyed. Satan was just playing with them and just he had full power over their hearts and minds and was just telling these lies like, you'll not, you won't be destroyed. You'll be OK. You'll survive this. And it's your enemies that will be destroyed because you're going to kill them. You know, it's blind. It's just and that and that can happen very quickly and very easily because Satan is a. He's had practice, I mean, nowadays he's had practice for 
thousands and thousands of years here, it wasn't much less time that he's had to practice over the children of men to figure out how to blind them, what to say, what to do to entice them to, to give him power. I look at verse 22 also, and it's talking about a specific instance, but I think it applies more broadly too. And when the night came, they were drunken with anger, even as a man who is drunken with wine, and they slept again upon their swords. How many times do we get so caught up in, in what people are saying or doing that it bothers us? I have felt this way, where I'm so bothered by something that it starts to take over my mind. And I'm like, I cannot even handle this. Like, someone needs to set them straight. And you get, you get so angry that you, you don't think clearly. And you start to, you know, luckily, so far, <laughs> I've been able to regulate myself and say, okay, you know what? not your problem, you know, but you can see how if you, if you allow it, it, you can become drunken with anger or with frustration about the way things are going in the world or the things that, you know, friends or family say, or just whatever, that you're not thinking straight and you allow Satan to manipulate you and to trick you into thinking what you're doing is right because you're setting things straight. You're telling them the way they ought to think. You're telling them they're wrong. And really what you're doing is you're just causing contention. And the fact that they slept again on their swords, they, they, the battle was never over, even when you were asleep. Like, you never just let things go. You never say, this isn't worth my time. This is not constructive. Like, you're always ready well, to go at a drop of a hat. It's really that the, the greater battle is the battle of your agency. And how Satan, he tempts you with... A, a path that appears free and and un, uninhibited, you know, follow. If you have desire, follow that desire. If it's a, if it feels good, do it. You know, if that kind of mentality. But then you end up in a place like this, where you're literally sleeping on your sword, you know. And 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 the Lord is kind of the other way. You start out very strict, and He says, like. Like he talks to Nephi in Fourth Nephi, where he says, "I give you all power, because I know you'll ask nothing contrary to my will." You know, so you start out kind of with training wheels, and then before you know it, you're on a motocross doing backflips in the eternities. Right? <laughs> That's a terrible example, but <laughs> but the, when you were talking about that drunkenness with anger, I thought of back in chapter fourteen, verse one was really interesting. One and two, where it says. And now there begin to be a great curse upon all the land because of the iniquity of the people, in which if a man should lay his tool or his sword upon his shelf or upon the place whither he would keep it, behold, upon the morrow, he could not find it. So great was the curse upon the land. Wherefore, every man did cleave unto that which was his own with his own hands and would not borrow, neither would they lend. And every man kept the hilt of his sword in his right hand in the defense of his property and his own life and his wives and his children. And so I, I, well, I may be wrong, but I used to think that it was a literal, like a curse, like you drop something and poof, it disappears <laughs> into like, you know, some sort of place. But it, it appears to me that the curse is there's so much robbery and distrust and not, no respect for property and for, your wife, your children in your land, that it's kind of just anarchy. Anything goes. It's like survival of the fittest. If you can get away with it, then it's, then it's right. 
It's the total collapse of a civilization, of any law and order. And that's what these Gadianto robbers, they come, that's how they undermine civilizations. And they undermine it both the Nephites and the Lamanites, uh, as, as we read in previous chapters, right? And and we see in verse 11 that, that the, or 10, that the high priest was murdered upon his throne. In verse 10, and it came to pass that one of the secret combinations murdered him in a secret pass and obtained unto himself the kingdom and his name was Lib and, and so on. And so we see that this, this secret combination that, that we've been told is had amongst all people uh, um, is this, it's this disregard for someone else and disrespect and kind of like, if you can get away with it, then it's right type of scenario, right? And so you built up a system that allows you to get away with things. Anyway. Well, you see, you see all these, you know, that curse you're talking about, where it's a lack of trust, it's a lack of respect, it's a lack of unity, and it starts to wear on, even on Coriantumr. Um, this guy who has been a source of a lot of this, he's been uh, very destru destructive, and he he comes and finally starts to realize, gosh, I'm tired of this, writes a letter to Shiz saying, Hey, let's let's not fight anymore. And I, I think that that happens to us too. We, there's always a point. It, hopefully, it's not a huge, catastrophic thing that happens in your life. But there's always a, a point in your life when you start to realize, I'm this is not good. I'm not happy. I I got to make changes. And you hope that it doesn't get to the point like it does for him, where it's too late. You've waited so long. You're so deep into it that it almost feels like it's too late. And I think we got to be aware of that. When you start to feel that you're, you're on the wrong path, course correct as soon as you can. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion. And that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do, your power to trust him will grow. And in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do, to the influence we can have with others. Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places, that the Spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.